Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us again. It's the My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. I'm James Adams, along with Skeeter Robinson. And Skeeter, this is a week I think you and I have been anxiously waiting for over the past couple of weeks where we've got a major. It's the Open. Uh, I'm only going to call it the Open. It's in Ireland, for the record, not in that other place. But, man, do we have a nice field going this week after we've had some fun golf, right? Two weeks ago, we had the Young Guns come out and uh, get some really cool wins. Um, certainly the John Deere Classic, I know, is close to your heart that we just had. But we got the Open this week. We got ourselves a nice field once again. Yes, it's finally nice to see some of these players um all together. I know a lot of them played the uh, Scottish Open a week ago, and we've seen a couple of them at 3M and at Rocket Mortgage. But, um, yeah, it's always fun to see the um, big names play together. And this is kind of the start of the stretch where we should see a lot of them with um, the Open this week, the World Golf Championship next week, and then two weeks after that starts the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. I don't know how many will go to Wyndham for, you know, some of the Wyndham rewards or... We might see a stronger field at Wyndham just because there's only three playoff events instead of four. But, uh, yeah, we're getting to the point where we're going to see these guys often. So, it's you know, it's a fun stretch. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks, you know, this whole schedule thing that the tournament I liked the most, the John Deere, kind of got screwed with the weak field. But, um, in the end, you actually had a couple players who, you know, they're not – top players in the world or anything, but there was a little bit of pedigree there. Henley, I believe, has won three times on tour, and Fratelli was a top 50 golfer in the world a couple years ago when he was on a Euro tour, so, you know, it's what, I think I said this last week, that John Deere tends to have champions that aren't, you know, that are pretty good, you know, Michael Kim may be the exception, but they tend to have some pretty good long-term uh, champions, so I think Fratelli kind of fits that mode a little bit. What, if anything, do we take from the John Deere Classic and put into this year's Open at Royal Port Russia Northern Ireland? I don't know if there's anything because it's, again, a completely different different style contrast. Maybe, maybe the one thing you take away is Zach Johnson, who struggled on Thursday but shot pretty well the next three days. And when you look at his track record on link-style courses at the Open, having won at St. Andrews, He's got a pretty good open history here with a couple of top 10s, including the win, four other top 20 finishes. So even though he's had a rough year, this, you know maybe he's the guy that you take a look at form-wise. We'll see with Fratelli going back to the Euro Tour after winning here, how he goes. Um, again, traditionally, what people who've played John Deere and played well have had some success at the Open. Uh, so... You know, I wouldn't dismiss Fratelli just because he won, but um, other than that, I, I mean, if you're really intrigued about the PGA Tour, I think that Barbasol will be the interesting one because I think Hoffman might be using his last sponsor exemption and whether whether or not Morikawa can, you know, can actually, uh, and Wolf, if they can continue their trends or not, but um, there's not a ton that you can apply from the John Deere to the Open because they're two different uh, Styles of tournaments at two completely different fields. All right. Well, you ready to get into uh, this year's Open? Absolutely. All right. So, first things first, this is being played for the first time in 68 years of Royal Port Rush? Yes. Uh, so, if anybody's got any course history, they're probably in the 
6K range and we're not playing them slash uh, no longer with us, right? Well, I think there was a Euro Tour event played here seven years ago. I think I heard. I didn't. I didn't look into it, and I believe there was a British Am played here a couple years ago, and I can't remember. Somebody made the finals of that. It's in this field. It was a name I kind of knew, so I'm gonna try to quickly go through the list. He was in the six range, and I don't remember who it was offhand. Oh, Xander Lombard was a runner-up at the, I believe, at a British AM here, so... Z Xander with a Z. Let's make sure we uh, we have two Xanders oh, in this field. that's right. And, yeah, so you play... Actually, there you go. You start a lineup with Xander with an X and Xander with a Z. Um, well, if only there were four more, I'd probably play that lineup. <laughs> I mean, if there's any tournament you can play the narratives, you can play, like, the all... American lineup, the all-Irish lineup, the all-Spanish lineup, the all-Japanese lineup this week. You have a lot of different uh, countries represented here at the Open that you, if you really want to get cute, you probably can play some of these all-nationality lineups. And Hey, even in the all-Spanish lineup, you can even end it with Miguel Angel Jimenez. So. Yeah, it'd be an interesting lineup, the, the most interesting lineup in uh, the field this week. Well, anyway, did you see him with his bottle cap challenge? Uh, of course. Oh, yeah, that was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, of course I saw that. And then, uh, yeah, because we were, we were chatting about it. The uh, I was saying how the stretching, uh, all those pre-game stretching helps him kick it off. Because I have seen Poulter hit one, uh, hit the bottle cap off with his golf club, too. Oh, oh, I didn't see that one. That would be impressive. I, I, thought, I thought about seeing if I could get a bottle cap to come off with the uh, the line at the end of my trimmer. Oh, that would be oh, good. <laughs> I probably could. I use it so much, but... At any rate, uh, well, you talked about playing the all-nationality lineup here. We have, uh, this is Rory McIlroy's home course, right? Yes. You've got a couple other uh, guys from Northern Ireland in this field. I wonder, and we'll, we'll talk about Rory uh, at, when we get into the, the, the tiers itself, but he is the highest-priced player at 11-6, which is a high price to pay. you got to feel like he's got the most knowledge of this course of anyone, Um but is there going to be too much pressure? Like, you know, the pressure on guys like him, McDowell, and, and some other Irishmen, Lowry, is this going to be a good thing for them, the home field advantage, or is this going to be a, man, somebody from Ireland's got to win this bad boy, and I'm, you know, I'm feeling the, the pressure today. Uh, Darren Clark also um, from Northern Ireland, he's the one who's going to hit the first tee shot. Uh, he's in the field, but he's the you first. You who's in his group too, right? I did not. Uh, Charlie uh, Hoffman's in that group. Oh man, <laughs> oh, man. you're just good. That's where you're you're playing all three in that lineup. That way you can say you be you're leading the millie maker after you know at some point. So. You you be leading it after one hole no matter what. Even well, unless they all three go bogey. Oh, that's true. Um. So you mentioned the fact is Roy's home course. He should know the course very well, and yes. I don't remember who this was. It might have been on PGA Tour radio or in a podcast. I I, I really forget who I who it was from. So I, I mean, I'm not taking any credit for this one. This is somebody else's thoughts. But they brought up a pretty good point. Is yes, Rory knows the course, but is that a disadvantage because now this course will be set up completely different than what he's used to? You know, and we we've, we've seen this yeah. before. We've seen this before in the past where. Somebody's a member at a certain club. I think maybe they were talking about like Ryan Palmer at a Colonial. How you're used to it a certain way, but then when it gets changed up, then some of the things that you know about it kind of go away, and it's almost like a 
it almost messes with you within a reverse type of way. I think so. I mean, that's always something. But yes, I I would I would imagine for like McDowell and Clark and McElroy, maybe even Lowry and a couple Harrington, the you know maybe not Northern Irishman, but just the Irishman. Maybe there is some additional pressure, and you know you just you never know how they're going to react. So it's it's certainly a thing that you could use to either justify playing somebody or to use to justify not playing somebody. But the course itself is not terribly long, 7,300 yards. It is a par 71, two par fives on the front, one on the back. I believe 11, 11 or 12 is the uh, last par five, so the rest are par fours. Early talk I've heard is the rough could be pretty high, so it could be, you know, one that fairways are generous, but if you're in the rough, you're probably in trouble. I don't know if it's U.S. Open rough, but pretty you know, maybe a notch below that one. When I looked at weather earlier today, it didn't look like there were any major wind concerns, maybe like 15, 20 miles per hour being the highest that I saw. But, you know, that's on a Monday. You know, check back again in a couple days on a Wednesday to see what it's like. Um, I do have the link to Windfinder Portrush in the article on my fantasy fix, so you can take a look at that. Outside of that, though, I don't, I mean... You know, what the one of the nice things about the RNA is they they'll set up the course the way they want to set it up. If the winds come in, you're gonna see like minus three wind. If there's no wind, minus eighteen could win, and they're fine either way. So there's not gonna be any tricks or anything like that. Greens typically are slower and open, but I thought again I heard somebody say that these could be some slick greens. You know, so that's just something to keep an eye on. So. Again, kind of keep an eye on the weather and, you know, Wednesday, try to figure out what it's going to be like. And that's what I'm going to do. If I see a lot of wind, I might weigh bogey avoidance more. If I if it doesn't look like it's going to be, get real windy, I might weigh birdies or better more. So have that in mind. I believe the last point to notice here is remember that this is in Northern Ireland. I believe roster lock right now looks like it'll be 1235 Central, uh, again, Central Time, so 12.35 Thursday morning a.m., so like 1.35 in the morning where you're at. If you're on the West Coast, 10.35 p.m., so just kind of be aware of that one. Don't get to the, you know, if you're one who likes to finalize lineups very early Thursday morning, well, that's not going to work this week. It's going to be locked. Ooh, this will be good if there's ever any uh, tournaments with overlay. I might be sitting around watching uh, TV at 1.30 in the morning, I can... I can find those tournaments instead of not being out of bed yet. I, you could, or it could actually work against you because people are going. They won't really. Everyone's going to be doing it. They're all going to fill up last second. Right. Or if there's overlay, it's going to instead of being at you know six a.m., it's going to be at eleven. You know, twelve thirty in the morning, or you know, especially in the West Coast, ten thirty. Yeah. You know, they might see that too. But, you know, I know there are some people who will literally wake up at 3 a.m. to watch a lot of the open coverage. I I will not. Whenever I wake up, it'll be the first thing I do is turn it on, but I'm not going to wake up extremely early just to watch it. We'll see what my lineups look like Saturday night slash Sunday morning before oh. I make any uh, commitments oh, to that, man. whether or not I will be or not. Uh, I'll Actually, I'll probably be, uh, regardless, I will be watching uh, while doing the fantasy football show for uh, – 
for insider football for uh, for Fantastic. So ah, yes. We'll we'll be doing that Sunday morning. So I don't. This could be a difficult one for me. I'll uh, I'll I'll be uh, I'll be torn. Difficult for you. I'm coach. I'm coaching a softball tournament on Sunday, Saturday, and Sunday morning, or Saturday, and we'll probably start Sunday morning. So. Yeah, like, what if I get, like, a team that's contending in the Millie Maker or something? I, uh, yeah, I'm coaching at first base. I'm not sure I can pull out the old phone and be watching on uh, the NBC Sports app. I mean, that would be an interesting quandary to be in, like. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> uh, somebody else go coach first base. I might be winning a million dollars. Well, if, if we're, if, trust me, if, uh, if I'm that close to winning a million dollars, instead of the uh, Fantastics Insider Football Show Sunday, it's going to be the, uh, James Million Dollar Sweat show, and that's just how it's going to be. Dan's going to be like, James, uh, tell me, tell me uh, now inside the software, where do you think of where, where, where we have projected for Drew Brees and uh, Drew Brees? And I'm going to be like, uh, Dan, I can't find Charlie Hoffman anywhere in the quarterbacks. I don't know what you're talking about. And it's it's literally this this could now I'm praying this happens because of course I'd like to win that, but uh, but at any rate, at any rate, yeah, I'll be I'll be at the first base coach show. You know, you're like, oh, what should I do, coach? Huh? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, good. Charlie's made a birdie for James. I'm listening into James. He's going all nuts on the radio. <laughs> I would be, too. I mean, if it really comes out to that, I will be. I'll be really honest. So, so, so you, see me as somebody's like, um, yeah, I got a keeper question. Do I do I keep uh, Damian Williams in the 14th round or um, or Julio Jones in the third? Your answer will be, um... I don't see them. Xander on a, with an X for the Eagle would be my answer. Yeah, yeah. I don't see them on the leader. I don't see them on the leaderboard. So I'm sorry. I don't compute hey, this question. Hey, on, dude. See, <laughs> even under par. Get out of here with that. Dan, uh, this, Dan uh, would be I'm, so lost. Phil, you know, if it's Phil or Bennett, they'd be amused or um. Our on ear. I'm praying for this now. <laughs> what? Because I'm praying for oh, this now. Oh yes, yes. Not, not only for the win, which, of course, would be great, but just for the entertainment. But, well, what do you say we get into this field? We uh, we definitely have the best field in quite some time, and uh, I'm ready to bust into it. You ready? Let's go. Well, we've got the 10K tier. You and I talked briefly before the uh, program here that there's a chance I may avoid this tier altogether, and maybe you do too. I am going to play 10 to 12 lineups, maybe minimum. I'm I, I, I might play more than that. I'll be honest with you. I could get lineup fever this week. So I will eventually dip into this category, but I'm probably avoiding it because I like the strength of the field elsewhere. But we still got to go through this 10K tier. It's Rory McElroy. He's 11-6. Brooks Kepka 11-4. Dustin Johnson, 10-9. John Rahm, 10-6. And Tiger Woods at 10-2. Skeeter, who's your favorite play in this tier? Um, it's going to be Brooks. Okay. I mean, it's a major. And all he's done this year in majors is second, first, second. So there's really no reason to fade him. He has, you know, before he came over on the PGA Tour, he did play on the Euro Tour for a few years. So he did. This will be nothing new to him. You know, I just I've I've never seen this where a guy just literally turns it on. Oh, it's a major. Okay, I'm gonna play well and. Again, I think he's just going to go slightly under own compared to what he should be because of the Rory home course narrative. So I'm probably not going to play Rory for that reason. I mean, he's not the worst. He's not the guy who would avoid at all costs in this range. But that's just an ownership fade for me on Rory. For Brooks, I mean, he still rates up pretty well statistically when I look at just stats for 2019. He's first, or I'm sorry, 
He's fourth in par four from 450 to 500. He's fifth in bogey avoiding, seventh birdies are better, eighth in opportunities gained, 12th tee to green. Nothing wrong with this game. We know he shows up in majors. There's only been two guys that have beaten him in a major all year, Gary Woodland and Tiger Woods. 11-4, I still feel like you're getting a slight discount on him. He really hasn't done anything to make me think that I shouldn't play him. So, you know, if I do go the multiple lineup approach, which I'm still debating, I mean, uh, if I do it, I'm literally building right now one lineup, and if I decide to go multiples, then I build my one first and then just throw in a bunch, you know, possibly like 10 after that, I would at least play one or two of Brooks. So I'm certainly on board with Brooks, too. I kind of had him as my number two. Oh, okay. Um, my number one, and as I said, I'm kind of avoiding this range, but my number one's John Rahm. It's, it took me a minute to go full John Rahm here, but because re- if, I, if I may recall, if, remind you, I used him in our one-and-done league in the PGA Championship where he didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been a little upset with him for a little while. I think I'm over it. Guy finished ninth at the Masters. He's tied for third at the U.S. Open. Now he won the Irish Open. He, uh, I, the Andalusia Masters. Mm-hmm. I can tell you I know nothing about that tournament. It was, uh, it was Sergio's tournament, and I believe it was a runaway winner. It was Christian. Oh, I'm not going to try to butcher this last name. Um, Christian Bezudenhout. Sounds perfect. Who I think uh, I think it was the same. It, yeah. It was the same week I think Nate Lashley won it because it was like a back-to-back weekend of just the, the stories of the winners, long-shot winners who overcome so much. It was like there's one of the better stories for, as far as weekend winners on both the, the Euro Tour and the PGA Tour. So, no, he's in good form. Rom finished one, two, three in his last three events. Mm-hmm. First, second, and third. Uh, so that, he's a world-class player. Uh, I do believe, I really do believe the Europeans want to win the Open more than the Americans do. This is their number one tournament. I don't think that's the same case for the Americans. And it makes sense. And I mean, I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, if you ask Rom which tournament he wants to win, I think his answer would be this one. I think uh, a lot of the Europeans' answer would be this one. Uh, Rom does not have great history at the Open itself. But I'm banking on, uh, I'm banking on him in his recent form. I'm going to assume he's going to be the lowest-owned player in this tier. Mm-mm. So that's enough. You don't think so, huh? I've seen some I, – I, I'm looking at some very early ownership data again on Monday night. He's actually the second highest-owned. Is he really? Okay, well, this this could change my thought. But I think I'll still stay with Rom as my, my favorite play in this tier. But uh, that's interesting. So McElroy 1 and Rom 2 in the early projections. It's Yeah, um, early on McElroy's basically going to fall in the 15 to 20 range. Rom probably in the ten to thirteen range. So I mean, it's not that. I mean, it's not like he's gonna be massive chalk. Surprising that Brooks would not be ahead of them, as you pointed out before. I mean, he just makes so much sense in these majors. I just, I, I almost wonder with Brooks if everybody sits there and thinks, oh, you know what, everybody's gonna play Brooks, and that they yeah. don't, or just the Rory, the Rory narrative of home course of Portrush, I think is gonna get a lot of attention especially when he's only 200 higher than brooks and people are also remembering that brooks didn't really do much at travelers or the three or uh 3m so all right well who is your other play who else would you play in this tier besides Kepka if you were to go elsewhere 
I'd probably be Rom. Um, I played him last year at the Open. He was my one and done, so he burned me there. So I don't exactly have great memories of him. But as you said, third, second, and first. You know, he he's, he tends to play well over in Europe. Um, he would he would probably be my second play here. DJ, I just did not like the way he you know he missed the cut at um at the Rocket Mortgage and didn't play well at the U.S. Open. Something just seems off with him, so I think I would avoid him. But the guy I absolutely am not playing is Tiger. Um, you know, Tiger, for the most part, tends to, you know, what we've seen in his, the new version of him, he doesn't go play courses that uh, he doesn't know very well, so we don't really have a whole lot of data on that. Plus, if you remember back at the U.S. Open, he kind of made some comments how he just, it takes him a real long time after all these surgeries, all these procedures to kind of get warmed up. Mm -hmm. And that was in Northern California, which, you know, was a little cool. Well, we're in Northern Ireland now, so... Yeah, like 60-something degrees is what the temp's going to be, right? Yeah, and that was kind that's, of similar... That's Fahrenheit, not Celsius. Right, and that's, it was similar to the U.S. Open as far as temperatures go, so I just worry about, you know, can he get warmed up enough? Can he get going enough? Maybe he just prefers warm weather, which... You know, hard to bl blame him after everything he's been through surgery-wise. And even even if he is going to be sub-10% early ownership, I just don't have an interest in Tiger. I think my biggest fade is DJ, but Tiger was, you know, my yeah. four of the fourth of the fifth. I'm a little worried about and I flip-flop I flip between those two. Uh, I'm a little con wondering, does the travel, the long air flight, does that bother Tiger? Or is he in, like... Some super duper jet where he's like actually doing calisthenics while they're flying. It doesn't bother. Well, you know he's flying private, and I think he I think he was over there even last week practicing. So I you know any time zone changes are well he's you know it. taking care of at this point. But it's more just the cool temperatures that have me off Tiger. Okay, and my my other in this tier was Brooks. I will also play Rory though. I already kind of looked at it. and I figured if I go. I actually put a Rory Rom start to a lineup. You had sixty nine fifty left for a golfer. I could pull um, that off. I probably can too, because this is a deep field. I mean, there's we'll get to them in a while, but there's a six k, like plenty of six k guys that I think are, are worth building and are playing. And and honestly, I, I think in this field, while we're kind of on the subject here, this is a field where it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to leave over a thousand dollars on the table, would it? No, no, especially in a, in, a, in a Millie Maker, that's not a bad idea. I don't think you have to go a thousand, but if you really like the six guys you're playing and you have a thousand left, I wouldn't force it. Okay. Because, I mean, this is even a tournament, too, where we've seen older players mm -hmm. kind of show up. So, I, I don't know if Ernie Els is a guy that you're thinking about, but it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world to see Ernie Els top ten. Yeah, I mean, Darren Clark was in his 40s when he won, right? Right, we saw Tom Watson nearly win at 60 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get into the 9K tier. You ready? Yep. I think uh, this is a tier. I, I had a little trouble breaking down the entirety of this tier. Um, we'll start at the top here real quick. We'll get you through them. Rose at 99, Fleetwood 97, Xander Shoffley, the X-Man, 95, Molinari, the defending champ, 94, Ricky Fowler, 93, Bryson DeChambeau, 92, Justin Thomas, 91, Cantlay is 9K even. I will go to you first. Who is your favorite player in this tier? You know, I haven't been playing him as much recently, but I don't know. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, all right, 
pick your four major winners. I don't know. I mean, I probably taken Rose at um. I would have taken, taken Rose at the Masters. I might have taken Xander at um, at Beth Page. I probably would have taken DJ at Pebble, and I probably would have gone with this guy. And I think he's starting to show a little bit of form. It's Tommy Fleetwood. There he is. It's time to come back to Fleetwood. Um, you know, 13th at the Travelers, 23rd at the Irish Open. Not, not you know, the best finishes that you want to see, especially when we get on to some of these other guys. But for me, he just... He's, he's almost like the British Ricky Fowler at this point where... That's a great comp. I love it. You know, I mean, very popular... Long flowing hair, you know there's a major win coming one of these days for him. It just feels like if he's gonna do it, it's gonna be here in you know at, at an open. Um he is ninth in bogey avoidance, nineteenth in scrambling, twenty-fifth T to green. So you know I, I wish he had a little more elite numbers when it comes to the PGA tour ones, but it's not terrible. On my fantasy fix one of the things I had problems with as I was getting ready for this is like, how do I compare some of these Euro Tour players? Because they play a lot on the Euro Tour. So what I decided to do is I decided I went through and looked at 12 different stats for um, on the Euro Tour for the, some of these golfers. And basically I just went through and I, I took the first 10 names I saw that are actually in the field for each stat. So if I'm looking off Euro Tour stats as far as being just in this field for the year, Fleetwood is 6th tee to green, 8th off the tee, 10th in distance, 5th uh, in accuracy, 10th in bogeys per round, so he's not making a ton of bogeys, and 9th in par 5 scoring. So he does rate out decently well statistically among the European tour guys. Um, he ha I, I use the 20-round minimum, so Rom doesn't qualify, neither does Bryson. I think uh, Stenson might have been another one who didn't qualify, except in the next league. Par four, par five scoring because they, they had enough holes that I kept them in that. But this maybe is a little more of a gut feel for me. In fact, as I just love playing Tommy Fleetwood, so I definitely feel you on Tommy. And by the way, if you're uh, if you have if you picked up the podcast not through the link on my fantasy fix, go check out the uh, you know the documents that Skeeter puts on there because they're super uh, effective. And I was looking at him. I'm going to ask you about some guys on here later mm -hmm. that uh, as we get into some cheaper range. But I did notice the, those things with Fleetwood. I saw the driving accuracy and thought, okay, this is something I can get behind. I like Fleetwood this week, too. He's not my uh, fave. I certainly am on him, though. There's no doubt about that. Um, my favorite in this tier, I struggled. Uh, there were probably four guys for me that could have been my favorite, including uh, your Tommy Fleetwood play. I'm going to go with Patrick Cantlay. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I, he's the cheapest at 9K, so I like that. I mean, third at the PGA, 21st at the U.S. Open, ninth at the Masters, uh, was just 15th at the Travelers. I say just, that, that's been a couple of weeks ago. But his recent play has been uh, nice. You know, he won at the Memorial a couple of weeks, or a couple months ago, two months ago at this point now. But uh, I look at all that stuff for Patrick Cantlay. Um, finished 12th at the Open here last year. Not here, not at Royal Point Rush, but in the Open Championship. Uh, so I kind of liking, I, I kind of like looking at Open Championship history a little bit, even though it's a different course. We're, we're figuring the same style of condition. So 
This Patrick Cantlay, am I crazy? He's not the biggest no. name in this, in this group. No. Um, again, early ownership has him as the most popular. He's going to pop What? I felt like I was maybe crazy, but maybe no. that makes me feel good about saying he's my favorite player. No, first of all, DFS players love playing Patrick Cantlay. Um, okay. No, when I look at the stats, again, just using 2019, he's 15 to green. He's second bogey avoiding. Six and birdies are better, so whatever weather wants to come up, that's fine. He's 10th in approach, 10th in opportunities gained, 9th in that par 4 distance from 450 to 500. He rates out well in every single stat I'm looking at. I think he'll jump out a lot of people's stats. So 9,000 is a very good price on him. Um, I certainly have him start as somebody I would consider as well. All right, well, <coughs> you're, you're playing uh, Tommy Fleetwood as your fave play. Mm -hmm. if, you, uh, if you go elsewhere in this in this realm and by the way if we're both missing uh if we're both staying out of 10k we're probably playing more than one guy in this 9k range so um if you play tommy but you're staying in 9k for a second player who else are you going with i mean i know he hasn't been in the best of form as of late but he might have burned me in some other majors this year but you know what when i faded him in the u.s open he finished third when I fade when I fade Justin Rose, you should play him. I'm probably playing him this week. Um, so so he was my second favorite player in this tier. He's not uh, anymore. Oh, oh. <laughs> I love him too. I, I'm all I, oh. I agree with you, but but go on with it. Yeah, it just it's it's again the class of player. I you know he probably should be higher than Tiger in all honesty here. Um, yeah, I agree. And 9,900, I mean, it's just that psychological of, you know, why is he four digits versus five? But he's still fifth in that par four from 450 to 500 range, 14th in bogey avoidance. Tita Green, 32nd, not great. So I'm not saying that he's an automatic play, but I just feel like long-term form is with Rose. He showed some chops at the U.S. Open. I could see something kind of a similar type of setup here. 9900 I just feel like this is way too cheap for somebody. Has been good with his approach. His putter has been really good this year. So, I mean, maybe that's a slight issue, but, you know, he, he's historically a good putter, does everything well, has around the green, could use a little bit of uh, tightening up, but I think he's starting to trend a little bit back to what we saw in the early season form when he won at the Farmers. Um, wouldn't be shocked if he won. I believe he's like 20 to 1 in the betting market, which... I would. I mean, I don't. It's not legal here in Illinois yet, but man, I would bet twenty to one on Rose. So I'm right there with you with Rosie, uh, and it, this must be like this is the me finally letting go week because it was Ram who burned me uh, at the PGA. It was Rose who burned me at the Masters. But I'm with you on Rose. Uh, I will also play another guy who finished high for second last year in the Open besides Rose, and that's with an X, Andrew Shoffley. Um, Brooks kept the light, man. Third at the U.S. Open, 16th at the PGA Championship, tied second at the Masters. Oh, by the way, I just said it, but he was tied for second last year here. Uh, last year at the Open, not here. I'm probably going to make that mistake a hundred times. But uh, this is a guy like Brooks Kepka who seems to just show up at the majors a little stronger than, uh, than the rest of the year. I, I like Xander a lot this week. Am I crazy? No. I think you can make a case for anybody in the 9K range. Um, like, we keep saying Xander will win a major here at some point. Um, and he, he does certainly have the firepower and the game to do it. Brooks Light, I think, is a very fair comparison. And 
again, if you want to talk about type of course, he's seventh in bogey avoidance and eleventh in birdies are better. So he can he can play a minus three tournament. He can also we know he can go low. We saw that at Hawaii. So no, I have no problem with Xander. Who are you avoiding? You're not gonna like me for this one. It's the same guy I'm avoiding too. Then really? Yeah, I love him. You know I love him, but. I mean, I just can't play him in this price range. I hope we're both talking about Ricky Fowler. We are. I mean... Unfortunately, I won't play him this week. Yeah, I love him, but it's, this isn't the week. I don't know if this... I mean, this is more of a... I could, I could play Molinari. I could play Xander. I could play Bryson coming off that great performance at 3M. Justin mm. Thomas feels extremely underpriced, and I think he played decently well last week. Just not a great open history. Um... JT, by the way, sneaky, you know, sneaky one for the playoffs. I think that he might, he might get his win then. But Ricky just, he doesn't do anything terribly wrong over this year as far as stat-wise. Um, ninth in bogey avoidance is his best for me. 45th in good drives is the worst. But when I just look at him over, you know, four rounds to 100 rounds, he just doesn't tend to pop out, especially short-term. He's 45th over 12 rounds, 60th over the last eight, 33 over the last 24. He just kind of stands out as somebody with the worst stats long and short term in this range. So for that reason alone, I'm not on Ricky. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, I'm not either for a lot of the reasons you said. I mean, you know, even as when you just look at him in the player page on DraftKings, you can see that uh, he's well below, you know, a lot of these other guys and, and in in, in in the points in the guys around him, uh, you know, DeChambeau, Thomas, and Cantley all have more points per. And what I find striking is another guy, Molinari. I mean, he's not winning this thing again this year, is he? I mean, I don't see why he couldn't. I mean, we did have we did have the summer of Molinari last year. I don't know. I just feel like since the Masters, he hasn't been the same. Uh, you know, I know 16th at the U.S. Open isn't bad, but I don't know. I feel like. If, since you went with Ricky, another guy I would avoid, I think, is Molinari in this group. And that's fair. Again, he can't play everybody, and you have a, you have a reason that, again, he's not in the best of form. So we're not, you know, last year was the summer of Molinari. Maybe that's not it this year. And maybe this is the summer of Cantlay. Or uh, maybe it's time for Fleetwood to get his. Well, I, uh, I wouldn't hate either one, since I guarantee I'll have both in lineups. Um, let's crack it to the, eight, the 8Ks. I love this range, by the way. Okay, we've got a lot of good golfers in this range. Spieth at 8,900, Scott at Adam Scott at 8,800, Kuchar 87, Jason Day 86, Hideki Matsuyama 85, Stenson 84, Casey 83, Woodland 82, Wallace 81, Louis at 8,000 even. Skeeter, your favorite play in this range? Oh, there's a lot I like in this range. Um, I agree. I think you can play. I think you can play a lineup with all 8K guys probably. I have to see if it actually mats out. You might have to get in the 7Ks for somebody. Let me see. In my first build, I have two guys in the 8K range, but I could make a case for a, a third. I'm not even surprised you who that third is. Um, Adam Scott's my guy here. I mean... We are so online to get together. That's my favorite, too. I mean, my gosh, look at the past eight years at the Open. 25th, 2nd, 3rd, 5th, 10th, 43rd, 22nd, 17th. I believe the second was the year he should have won. Was yeah, I think he blew a lead. Was that the down one the, that Ernie Els won? Yes, he blew a lead down the stretch. I don't know. If, I forget if there was some bad shots or bad luck for Scott, but um, 
But no, I mean, that, that history is amazing. This year, Grant, the only concern for Adam Scott is he doesn't play much, and I think it's been like 40-plus years since somebody uh, won the Open after, after not playing between the U.S. Open and the Open. But let's look. His majors this year, 7th at the U.S. Open, 8th at the PGA, 18th at the Masters, uh, 12th at the Players, 2nd at Memorial, which is another pretty good tournament, 2nd at Farmers, pretty good tournament. I mean, he, he's shown up for all these events. Mm-hmm. I think the putting confidence is there that now he gets to leave the flag in the, you know, flag in. I think that's done something. His approach numbers, I mean, he's had some insane approach numbers. His around the green numbers have been great. It doesn't matter if I look across the last four rounds or the past hundred rounds. He's top ten. He's top three in everything 24 rounds or less in my model. When I look at just this year, he is ninth tee to green, second in the par four from 400 to 450, 22nd bogey avoidance, 17th in approach. He does every, 11th in scrambling. He does everything well that I like. 8,800, I already know he's getting some attention. I don't really care. He's, he's the guy that's absolutely locked into my main lineup. So go ahead and mark him down as my favorite play yeah. as well, but for the sake of not saying ditto, um, Henrik Stenson could very easily be my favorite play in this mm-hmm. tier, too. Uh, coming off of a fourth at the Scottish Open, he was ninth at the U.S. Open. He's won this major before. He was eighth at the RBC Canadian Open. So his last three times out, he's been in the top ten. Um, go ahead and put me down for uh, Henrik Stenson in some lineups, too. I mean, I think you could start yeah. Scott Stenson in a lineup and have a really good start to him. Absolutely. I mean, and other guys I'm, I would consider Kucher, I mean, he's having he's the best. He's my number three. I mean, <laughs> uh, let's see, ninth tee to green, eighth in approach, third opportunity to gain. He's top 20 in every single stat model I look at when I'm looking at just 2019 stat models. If I, um, very good long term. I mean... 8700 this is a new Kucher price, and it still feels like he should be a little bit higher. Um, Hideki's probably going to be popular because he's going to pop in every stat model, top five in every single range I look at. In 2019, he's first in approach, first in opportunities gained, third tee to green, fourth version better. I think he's actually starting to have a little bit of more success with the putter. I'm trying to pull this up right now. 8500 I mean... Hideki, I think, would almost be your cash lock. Like, you want, if you're playing cash games, it's Kucher and Hideki just for their consistency. In fact, it's been one year since Hideki last missed a cut, and that was at the Open. He missed it on the number, so it's hard to d- deny him. I have a couple other names, so I'll let you go ahead with anybody else you like first. Well, I'm going to tell you somebody I was already liking that I know you don't, that uh, this little... Uh, spreadsheet you put together mm. makes me like him even more. Mm-hmm. He's withdrawn from this tournament before. <laughs> it's Louis Oosthuizen. I'm going to play me some Louis this week. If I, 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 you, uh, you just can't pull the trigger, can you? Not in one lineup. Okay, and I, that's true because I'm not playing a one lineup thing, but eighth shots gained T to green in the uh, Euro Tour. Uh, third shots gained off the T. Driving distance fourth. I'm going to take all those and be happy. And then another one that just uh, another one that I'm looking at a few guys because of this stat is the uh, shots gained putting. Louis third. Well, putting could be very you know 
very I know. Enough, it's hot and cold, but if he's been hotter than he has cold this year, I mean, he, uh, even in the cold, as he, it will be. He has won an Open. He's finished second. He was part of that playoff at St. Andrews in 2015. I have a star by him as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if I get to, you know, if I play 10 other other lines, if I can pull, if I can put Louie into one, I might just so he can you know, withdraw and I can get that done and over with. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, he's on my list. Um, what about Matt Wallace? Yeah. Uh, another yeah. guy that, you know, that fits the Euro narrative. But, I mean, he's a guy, like, I really like this tier. I could go. I could start a, a lineup with like Louis Wallace and Casey, and I'd I'd have actually gained money on my average remaining per player, where I could put Stenson in and still be looking, you know, at, at uh, any of my choice of these AK guys, and then a pretty good player, maybe even still in this range. Like, I don't know. I, I like that. I mean, Wallace second the British Masters, third at the PGA, twelfth at the U.S. Open, third at the BMW International Open, fourteenth at the Scottish. He's in really good form right now, and. You know, it seems like a guy you really want to play in this area too. Yeah, um, definitely does, and you know I don't think the casual fan will play him. So he's on there. You mentioned Paul Casey. Yeah, he's another guy I think you got to consider. Um, what's his? Let's see. He, uh, the only thing is his open success has not been. It's not. It's not good. Yeah. Like he's one I would play, but uh, you know. I like so many other guys in the 8K range. I can see myself not playing Paul Casey, and it wouldn't be a knock on him. It's just he's in the wrong tier. I feel like at this point we've glossed over just about everybody but, like, three two guys. So I think I think we're pretty on board with who we're also not playing. Is I, that fair to say? I'll let you go first. Well, I mean, this is fairly easy for me. The guy that I would absolutely not play is Jordan Spieth. Until we see more consistency out of his tee to green game, and or as actually his ball striking, until we can see him, you know, hit irons at a decent clip and not have to rely on the putter and short game so much, even if that could be important here, I am not playing him. Jason Day E six hundred is an absolute bargain, but again, he just kind of falls into a range where there's just other guys I like. And Gary Woodland, I mean, if I didn't play him at the U.S. Open. You know, it's kind of see. You know, I believe this is no. He played. Um, where did he? Did he play three? No, Rocket Mortgage. Yeah. He missed a cut, uh, but you know that was kind of be expected. He was on the whirlwind he tour. Was, he was still two under, right? He he fired a seventy three on the first day and then sixty nine on the second day, so he still was two under to not make the, the, the cut. But I'm with you. Gary Woodland is my absolute biggest fade in this tier. I, I mean, I love the story. I had him in a lineup, right? I mean, I had a awesome u.s open i went crazy cheering for him i was loving it i just can't put him in the lineup he's not winning back-to-back majors he's kind of, he's kind of like casey where he's had he's played fine at past opens he just doesn't have that top finish compared to other guys in this range or maybe the upside that a wallace could have or a stenson a hideki a scott even your boy louis so it just uh woodland probably just a victim of just in this price tier, there's just so yeah. many plays that same with Jason Day. If he was seventy two hundred, I'd say, "Well, I'll but, play him all day long." But he's not. He's eighty two hundred, and, and so I'm with you. I'm just even if he was seventy eight or seventy seven, I think I would probably like him more. But yeah, and I think that's about what he was for uh, the U.S. Open. I, I don't. That, know that sounds right. But well, all right. So we uh, we hammered out the seven or the eight K range. 
Uh, I won't read off all the 7K names. I probably only wrote down 15 that I like. Uh, I mean, this is where I was asking at the top of the show, like, is it conceivable to leave a ton of money on the table? Because, I mean, I, there's some names in this tier I feel really good about. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you go first. Uh, do we want to, like, go top half, bottom half of 7K? You just want to, like, rip through them? Uh, I, I definitely like the top half way better. How about we mention our favorite one or two and give a little bit of discussion, and we can mention other guys we're considering? Uh, yeah, well, I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you hit them first. All right. This also, the 6K and 7K tiers, where we're really going to start seeing some stat model biases, where those who are looking at, say, a Fantasy National, like I am, um, I know there's a couple other sites out there, all the American players, the ones who mainly primarily play in a PGA Tour, are going to stick out a lot more because we have, you know, that's the data that gets included. So some of these Euro players who maybe only play at majors and WGCs or part of the Florida Swing, their stats won't look as good, and they're going to get ignored here a little bit. So I think that is something worth considering. My, right. fav- my favorite play, 7,500, he has three top tens in a row. And he is a name that is at least familiar with in the States because we do see him, but he hasn't played since the U.S. Open. He hasn't played, I mean, okay, he's played three events since the U.S. Open, but those have all been Euro Tour events. Third at the BMW, fourth at the Irish, ninth at the Scottish, RCB, 7,500. He just rates out very well for me. I feel you. In fact, uh, I was looking at your, uh, your Euro stat breakdown. I mean, you see him in the driving accuracy. Also saw him in uh, number four in scrambling, which uh, I think is, you know, could be a big deal if the weather gets nasty. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't rate out statistically great in, um, in, the, in the stat miles from the PGA Tour. But a couple of the ones that he does rate out pretty well, and I think this is a big one, He's fourth in his par four range from 400 to 450, and 24th from 450 to 500. I believe it was 10 of the 18 holes on his course fall between 400 and 500 yards as par four. So I like that. He's even 23, 23rd in barriers or better. So, you know, I think he had some struggles for a little while, but when he's coming off three top tens in fairly good events on the Euro Tour, I think he's found his form a little bit here and. Somebody kind of compared to him like a, as a European Gary Woodland who's kind of hung around and is due for one. It would not shock me to see RCB uh, hoist a clerk jug on Sunday. He's not my pick, but I, you know, I can see the comparison. I think my favorite play in this tier, and I'm so like all over the place with different mm-hmm. guys, you know, because I could cheer for the two Irishmen on the top and, and be super stoked to watch McDowell or Lowry win it, but I don't necessarily think that they're my most logical fave play. I think I got to go with Webb Simpson again, man. 7,600. Um, you know, his 16th at the U.S. Open. Now, again, it's, you, you pointed out he's, you know, he's played in a while, and guys that lay off don't necessarily win. But second at RBC Canadian Open before that, 29th at the PGA, fifth at the Masters. Uh, nothing, I, I think the 29th at the PGA is his worst finish since he didn't make the cut at Valspar. 7,600, Webb Simpson. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's a misprice. I don't know. I think that's – I'm all over that. No, I, th- I think there's <clears throat> good reason. I mean, he's made the cut at all three majors, 5th, 29th, to 16th. Very good approach. Uh, the only thing that could potentially be a concern is he – his past two tournaments, he gained nine strokes putting at, at Canada and eight strokes at the U.S. Open. So 
while he's a traditionally good putter, even even for him, that tends to be a little bit over his head. I can see him being a little popular because again, he's going to pop his stat models. Um, let's see, third third net par four for four hundred four fifty, seventh in bogey avoiding, fifteenth tee degree, sixteenth in approach, even fourteenth scrambling. So he fits all of those narratives. I don't mind him. I just I think he could get a little too popular for my liking. Yeah, early on, he is the most popular play in the 7K range. Just early. <laughs> yeah, I know. And and But this is, again, this is where I think there's going to be some biases coming in, where in the U.S. stat models, these guys are, you know, especially in the 7 and 6K range, are going to get a little overlooked. That Or, I mean, are not overlooked. They're going to get a little overpopular. I'm not saying you should fade him just for that reason. Like, if you think Webb Simpson is going to be top 10, you better play him. It's just something to keep in mind. All right. Um, who else are you playing in this tier? You want to throw a couple? And I'm, I'm, I definitely have a couple. Um, Patrick Reed is, uh, always enjoys playing Europe, so he's one that's on my radar. Um, actually, I don't know if my... I've, I've, I've multiple screens open looking at stats. If I'm in a tournament in a million maker, one guy that I always like to score, um, so if this, if this tends to kind of be an event where the wind isn't going to kick up at all, I think Ha Tong Lee has some scoring ability where if this is going to be a minus 15, minus 20 type of event... He could be somebody who you want to look at. In this list that I created, he is first in birdies per round. He's third par four scoring in the Euro Tour. He's fifth in par five scoring, seventh in scrambling, fourth off the tee, tenth in driving accuracy. So he fits a lot of the narratives. I think he's had a couple decent finishes. Yeah, he was third a couple years ago, 39th last year. I... He, he would be a very high upside type of play, maybe a little bit of a low floor guy that I would be looking at. Okay. Uh, what about my boy Ian Poulter? I mean, he's an older Euro. I mean, I feel like Englishman, the, the narrative's there for him. He hasn't played well this year, has he? Not really. Or not as of late. I think he was very good this year. He was good early, and uh, probably since the match play tournament, like he's it. really fallen off. He was 12th at the Masters, 10th at RBC Heritage, uh, but until the 14th at the Scottish Open, he really wasn't doing a whole lot. So, I mean, there was some sign there, but, yeah, I just I don't like that. I don't like the form enough. Uh, the one guy that I just don't know what to do with him, because, again, I think statistically he rates out pretty well both U.S. and um, Euro Tour, but man, I mean, he had a major, I think he had missed eight straight cuts of the major before 52nd in the U.S. Open, and that's Sergio at 78. I, I don't know what to do with him. I see him as see Fino at 78. I don't think I'm playing, I'm touching either one. I can't play Fino. I, I'd look at that and just say, okay, 78's off the board. If I end up with 78, then, you know, maybe I drop down to Leishman Poulter, or maybe I drop down to Fitzpatrick. Or Pepperell and, and leave a couple hundred on the board. Or Simpson, of course. Leishman's another one. They had three top fives the past five years at the Open. Yep. If this if this thing gets windy, I am very interested in Leishman. Second scrambling, 19th bogey avoidance, 
Has good numbers in that par 4 range for 400 to 500 yards. 27th in approach. He's one that, this might be a Wednesday weather decision. Like, if it, if the winds are picking up, I might be on him. If, if it's going to be calm, I don't know if I go to him. Um, it, is, is, he's an Australian, Leishman. Is, it, is this the biggest tournament for all those other guys the way that I think it is for the actual Europeans, being that it's the only major not in the United States? Oh, I'm sure it is. Okay. I, I mean, again... I would assume so, too, but... Uh, and especially in this case for the Northern Irishmen, so like Graham McDowell's definitely right. um, a lot of national playing, pride there. you dare play GMAC at 79? I won't. I mean, there's probably a case for the home course advantage. Um, the good form seems to have dissipated since July started. Which is like, okay, 7,900, or, you know, Sergio's 100 cheaper, Leishman 200 cheaper, Webb 300 cheaper. They're all better players than Graham McDowell. Lowry's playing so much better at the same price. He's not a major champion, but he's playing better. I'll give you another guy, which I kind of want to dig into a little bit. Um, 7,600, he passed through. Past four tournaments, 12th at the U.S. Open, 2nd at the BMW, Missa Andalusia, 14th at the Scottish Open. This might be, again, might be a play that if, if it's going to be a lower-scoring event, he'll show up. Matthew Fitzpatrick uh, r- pops up a little bit, and he popped up a lot my uh, when I broke down the uh, Euro Tour stats. Second in driving accuracy, fifth in both scrambling and putting. I saw that, too, and... That's where I'm like, yeah. Fourth scoring, third birdies around, second bogeys around. I, he just, he can be inconsistent. Like, I I forget what tournament I liked him. I really liked him at earlier this year. I want to say it was, was it like Colonial or somewhere in Texas and he just didn't do anything. And he hasn't really done anything at the Open yet. 44th two years ago. No, but you want to talk about a guy who could be really low owned, right? Uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's in the four to 7% range right now, okay. early on a Monday night. I, I don't know what to do with Fitzpatrick either. That, that's one. Um, I think I have one other, one or two other guys as I, oh yeah. Um, EVR, Van Royen keeps popping up on uh top tens, even it, here in the States and even on the Euro tour, he's kind of, uh, popped up a little bit recently. 14th is Scottish. He was okay at the U.S. Open, 16th at the BMW, 8th at the PGA, so I can take a shot on him, but I think he'll get a little bit of attention. I'm not playing Keegan Bradley, so if you, mm-hmm. you can take whatever chance you want with that. But um, the other guy who I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see how much attention he attracts, because here's a, here's a guy who was really good a couple of years ago, hurt last year, and he's, and he's really coming into form. We saw Molinari, you know, win once last year, finish second, and then win the Open. We could see something very similar on Bern Wiesberger at 7,100. He won, he won a month and a half ago in the main Denmark, and then didn't do great at the U.S. Open. But second in the Irish Open, he won the Scottish Open last week. He, he's been a world-class guy in the past. So, 7,100. I think the only problem with Wiesberger is he just does not have a great uh, open history. You know, 64th is his best finish. So, But at 7,100 7, with his form, if he makes a cut, you're probably doing okay. And if he continues his form, look out. All right, I'll have two questions for you. One is in the 7,400 range. 
Do you want to play Lee Westwood more than I want to play Rory Sabatini uh, at 7,400? Oh, I, I, I love playing Lee Westwood. Um, and, and I've been playing Sabatini all year long. That's why I got this one. I got another one for you at a different price range, too, at 7K. I mean... Who wants to play their guy more at 7,400? I'm going to say you. I... A couple of years ago, I would, I was, I played Lee Westwood every single time he was in a major. I, I mean, I used to be a big Lee guy. I wasn't playing DFS, but I was playing other kind of like major contests where you pick A, B, C, D tiers. Uh, so I've, I've, he's, he's one of the purest ball strikers out there. I mean, if you gave me Lee Westwood's iron play, I could figure out the rest. I'd putt with my foot and I wouldn't drive. I'd just drive an iron. Yeah. So no, and Terrell Hatton always intrigues me on a link style course, which I may, uh, I may go there as well. I don't think he's I, in the best. Unfortunately, uh, the Scottish twenty first of the U.S. Open. I he's a he's in my second tier consideration. If I go, he's not my main lineup consideration. But if I play ten lineups, he's in consideration. I looked at guys like him and Willett, and uh, I don't know. I, I I mean, I get the Euro narrative, but I don't know if I'm going there. Um, all right, seventy two hundred. Do you want to play Zach Johnson more than I want to play Jason Kokrak? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I figured by the open of the show, you uh, you had already answered that one for me when you uh, said watch out for ZJ here. Now, now Zach Johnson's not on my list right now by any means, but again, he would be another guy just based off of his history. The fact that he actually fought back a little bit at the John Deere, I think, was a good sign. Back, okay. Did he even... I don't even know how many bogeys he made uh, after. I think he he might only had like three or four bogeys in you know the last three rounds. And so he had eight bogeys total for the John Deere Classic. I can tell I you that. He had much. four. That, I think he had four of them on Thursday when I was there. So all it took was me leaving, and he did fine. Huh. Well, good. If you would have left earlier, I wouldn't be. Uh, maybe I would have cashed one of those lineups. Yeah, sorry. I did see a Boo Weekly bogey, a three putt bogey. So I'll take full responsibility for that. And you should. I know. Um, we've hit the uh, we've hit the tier hard. Uh, Bubba Watson's a guy I've said throughout the course of the year that I think you know I don't think he wins a major if it's not at the Masters. He's in bad form. I'm super avoiding him even at 7200. Yeah. Um, has Bubba ever done anything in an Open? I don't feel like he has. I no. can't tell you that, but I doubt it. He just his game doesn't fit. I mean, this kind of this kind of play. I mean, it's big moon shots. Like he doesn't play the, he doesn't play links golf. I mean, what makes a cut? He's been top forty, but no, I'm not playing Bubba. All right. Any uh, anything else you want to hit in seven K, or do we hit do we hit the basement, the bargain bin? Let's go to six Ks because there's some there's some intriguing plays for me here. Heck yeah, there is. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I have a favorite play. You know, who my favorite player is, but to be really <laughs> truthful. Uh, like, I can't – okay, so Charlie Hoffman, 6,700. I'm going to have a lot of lineups, so I'm clearly going to have a Charlie Hoffman lineup. There will never be a major until he quits playing that I don't because if he wins a major and I don't have him in a lineup, I couldn't live with myself. Um, but he's not playing really well. He's definitely not my favorite play in this tier. I'll use him. Um, I, by the way, since we're talking on just favorite plays, Andrew Beef Johnson is definitely – I don't know if you've noticed, his beard's almost as good as mine. Uh, I, I love the dude. Oh. Uh, I'll probably throw him in a lineup. You know, it was, like, it was so cool watching him, like, you know, it was watching him break down and get emotional when he was getting interviewed after uh, 
you know, last week and getting into the open. So I'll probably play a beef lineup, but he's also not my favorite play in this tier. Uh, but this tier is loaded. I, I think there's a lot of a lot of good options in this in this tier. I want you to hit your favorite first. I, yeah, there's not a ton. I mean, it's still the six Ks. But, I mean, there's there's five or six guys that I can make a case for playing here. By the way, the Beef Johnson story is great. I mean, just the cheeriest, happiest guy. And you see, you know, it's so stunning when he came out that, saying he was battling some mental health issues. I mean, just shows it can happen to anybody. But then yep. the way he, yeah, the, for him to get in, I think, is a big morale boost for him. A Good lot point. of Beef fans. I mean, it's, it's hard not to... Uh, Hard not to like him. I mean, how many how many PGA Tour guys have a fast food joint as one of their like main sponsors? I mean, you know, everybody's got you got dudes walking around with like what Adam Scott's got like Mercedes on his chest and uh, Beef Johnson's got Arby's. Right. Like he just it's like he he speaks to the common man. Yeah, absolutely. So no, um, for me, my favorite guy, and again, he. Once I did this Euro Tour stat thing, he popped up, and he's kind of a name I've I've heard of some Euro discussion throughout throughout the year. Um, it's Jorge Campillo. I'm using him. I can honestly tell you I know very little about him. Um, when you click on his DraftKings profile, he looks like an extra from uh, Star Trek. Was <laughs> he not? He, but he's one of the guys that's not going to die, right? Because he's wearing the light blue. But, I mean, the way his ha- he looks like an extra from Star Trek, dude. That's all. As soon as I saw that pick, that's what I thought. <laughs> and I'm glad I used a uh, pop culture reference you got. No, I, I'm laughing because, yeah, I mean, the blue shirt does it, too, and the, the hair. Yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. You're like, that dude was yeah. on the U.S. Enterprise. <laughs> no, but uh, Campillo, when I did the Euro Tour stat, fifth in greens and regulation, first putting, ninth birdies and bogeys per round, Six and par four scoring at 6,900. I don't mind it. Uh, he's he literally just just based on what what I gathered from your uh, your your spreadsheet you put together. He was one of the guys. And while we're talking about it, because we're in the 6K range, I mean, my favorite play is probably Joaquin Neiman. Um, but before I get into that at all, we're talking about your list here. What about Juice Luton? I noticed his name popping up here oh, and there. Oh man. Euro Tour specialist just does not. I don't think he's got a very good history at the Open. I want to say his form isn't good either because that was like the first name I clicked on, and I think he's made has some miscuts. By the way, one thing about Campillo, six top tens. He did win the Trophy Hassan, which I at nine under, which I think is usually a pretty good Euro Tour event. So I, you know, and, you know, Open being nine under, winning uh, that's not that's very possible. Misses cut his only open appearance. So, um, no, Luton I looked at. You could take a wire on him. He does play well in Europe, but um, I just, no. The other guy, uh, here we go. It's, it's going to be time to butcher some names here. Uh, 60, where, where is he at? 6,600. I'll see how well I can speak some French. Romain Langasque. Oh, I thought that was lettuce. <laughs> it's a terrible joke. I can't help myself. <sighs> Romain Langasque. Langasque. Yeah. That's probably not right, but um, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Um, got in by a third last week of the Scott. I mean, 
we, we, you know, you know how we mentioned like Corey Connors tends to be top 10 or bust. I see that in his, uh, his finishes. I mean, six, five top tens this year, past few tournaments, third in the Scottish Open, miss at the Irish, miss at the BMW, third in the main in Denmark, miss at the British Masters, fifth at China. So, I mean. Don't, don't forget six at Kenya, cut at Qatar, or Qatar. I mean, it goes it goes back just a little bit further too if you go past that thirty-eight. And again, he was a name that I just kept typing when I did the spreadsheet. Six off the tee, Ethan Green's in reg, fourth in putting, fifth the sixth in scrambling, fourth in bogeys, fifth in par four scoring. Sixty-six hundred. You're just hoping that this is one of the hey, he actually does something. This, he actually makes a cut this week, and you're happy. And if he's just this guy that finds his way into contention, you are thrilled. So. That was the that was the only other name that uh I really noticed. Neiman's got a, Neiman's a good play. I didn't really hit him, but Neiman's a good play at sixty nine hundred. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. Yeah. I this is where this is where my bias comes in a little bit as far as I really like him as a player long term, but I think he's gonna pop out a lot of the stat models when you're just looking at the PGA tour. And I don't know how he translates to the British. It's an unknown. So when I think he's going to be somewhat popular and I don't have a great feeling on him, I will probably tend to pass, but as a pedigree play, I have zero issue with it. What about some of those other high price six K guys? Um, I mean, Billy Horschel, Adam Hadwin, those guys have both been pretty good this year. Uh, where's Hadwin ranked for me? Because, yeah, that'd be a name off first uh, first thought. Of. I thought maybe it would do something here. Um, and he's been top 10, he top rates, 6 to his last three turns. He rates out top 30 short term from 24 and less. Um, he'll find fairways. His scrambling is not great. But we'll make birdies, so... Potentially. Um, I'm probably a couple weeks away from playing Billy Horschel. I still feel like he was really putter-reliant. So good scrambler will find fairways, but just not making a whole lot of birdies. So maybe if this is a win fest, maybe he's a guy that you want to look at. But um, And again, another name I just felt like I typed a lot, and I will be honest, I do not know anything about this guy. Adria Arnus. You got me. Second off the tee, ninth in driving distance. Again, this is from the Eurostats. Ninth in greens and regulation. He was a name that kind of popped up just a little bit. Um, outside of that, though, I... What if we want to go cheap plays? Lucas Glover is down at 6,500. And uh, where's Joel Damon at? He's, he's down at 6,400. Can you hit either of these guys? Um... Glover, I think, is going to get a lot of attention because, again, he's just played so well all year, and he's going to be one of those guys that pops in the U.S. stats, especially 7th seventh, seventh at the 3M, 10th at the Deer. Um, he certainly could play him. I just, again, could be popular. First in scrambling, 5th in good drives, 5th at that par 4 from 400 to 450. That makes sense. Um, I mean, I just, like, you know, when I was thinking about playing a Rory and Rom lineup, you know, then I have to go Neiman and Hadwin and uh, put Glover in there, and then all of a sudden, maybe I'm, I, I haven't mathed it out, but maybe I'm at a, a reasonably uh, priced 7K guy to finish that lineup. 
I don't hate it. Um, again, I just think he's going to be one of these guys that gets a little popular, and I don't... It's the question, like, do I want to play somebody who we're very familiar with, who's played very well this year, going over going over to the Open, um, doesn't have a great history from when he played it in the past, or did have a 12th in 2011, but it's just, it's, it's, it's more the ownership t times unknown that I just tend to try to avoid. And maybe, maybe I'm getting a little too cute trying to play some of these Europeans. Like I said in the article, don't get too uh, cute trying to do this. So maybe that is something I need to kind of look into a little bit more as Lucas Glover, but don't I'm mind, gonna, don't mind the play. I will load a couple Euro lineups up. I promise you that I'll get cute with them. And just, if that's the way it plays out, great. Um, anybody else that you want to hit? I think, uh, I think we went through these tiers pretty strong. Yeah. I mean, Ernie Els at 6,200, if you want to play the random guy to pop out of nowhere, I think Els certainly could do that. Um, it's, it's not going to be Darren Clark, is it? It'd be I mean, cool, but it's not happening, right? You can play the narrative. It just... I don't think it's happening, but I think it'd be cool if he won again. He's got his, though. I, I, don't, oh, yeah, I don't think he's going to win, but... Making the cut, I think, would be a, a huge accomplishment. Again, I mean, we saw Mark Kelkavecchia contend here for years. You know, or at least make cuts even after his prime. So why not Darren Clark in his home country? If, if it were to happen, and I'm probably not doing it. I'm not. You'd, have, you'd have a lot of money for your other five. <laughs> By the way, you mentioned, I, Joel, you mentioned Joel Dahman. He didn't play real great last week at the Deer. Um Hasn't really played. He had that second Wells Fargo, but ever since just has not really done much. So he's a pass for me. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, that's all I got. I feel like uh, I'm 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 through every just about every name that I will end up clicking on between all my lineups. I think I may I've mentioned them all. Yeah, uh, and of course you've already said you're gonna play Charlie. So oh, it's happening. It'll happen. I bet you. I'm going to try to keep it under 20%. Are you playing Hoffman and Kokrak in the same lineup then? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to wait until we start building them. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, I mean, Char Charlie's the perfect guy to put into a lineup with a uh, Rory-Rom combo to start. To start. Yeah, and by the way, DraftKings did add, the, um, did add some of these qualifiers who, you know, got in yesterday. So... If you've already set your lineups, you know, we're doing this Monday night. If you set them, you know, before, on Sunday or whatever, um, take a look. Because there have been some withdrawals like Sabatini, 7,400, Fratelli, 69, Beef, 68, Harmon, 67. Those guys, I think, all could be considered as well. If you're in a one and done at this point, uh, you, play, you play your big guns, right? You, I mean, it's almost over. Well... Depends where you're at. For us in our make two pick league, it's you know, I'm at the point I have to go contrarian somewhere. Um, like I'll probably play Tommy, and then I might have to get a little cute and try to go. Oh, man, right now I have Tommy and Francesco in there, but I think I got to take Molinari out because I like Xander better, and that's just the two biggest guns I've got left. I don't left. think Molinari is going to be real popular. People will probably use him, so he might not be a bad one and done pick. Um, <sighs> I just don't think he's going to win. I think Xander and Tommy are both better chances to win, in my opinion. Oh, you you haven't used Xander yet. 
Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm talking Xander Shoffley with an X. Oh, that's I forgot. I forgot we have to distinguish Xander. <laughs> um, actually, I just, I just looked. I, I'm going Fleetwood and Wallace. Like, I'm, I'm going to assume that our league doesn't really uh, know a ton about Matt Wallace. So. I'm oh, gonna... okay. So because it's based out of the uh, <laughs> southern part of Kentucky. You think we don't know about Europe and them Europeans over here in Kentucky? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying anything about Kentucky. I'm just saying an American one and done. I'm not sure how popular Matt Wallace of a name is going to be, especially when there's other names. You're like, oh, who, who am I rather playing? Am I going to rather play Matt Wallace? Or do I want to play Webb Simpson? Or oh, well, it might be true that where it's based from that... What I said is true. Oh, well, I, I, would, I don't know that. I'm just trying to, I'm just saying, <laughs> I, you know. I know you don't. You probably haven't even ever been there. What, what, where? The southern, have you been to southern Kentucky? No, oh, no. Is this where, the, it's, so, this group thought of southern? I, I, I'm pretty sure that's where this group uh, originated from. Yeah, they, the guy runs some, like, southern Bucky, southern bluegrass fantasy football classic, I think. I almost said southern Buckeye. Uh, that's, how, that's how close to Ohio I am. Um. Yeah, so I think I think now I don't know where most people are from in this league. I don't know anybody in Ipoh Hill. Right. But yeah, no, I no, I now, guess. now I'm just talking smack. Yeah, I'm just making generalizations that these Euro Tour guys that aren't you know the Tommies of the world or whatever don't. Um, yeah, they might not be as familiar with the Wallaces, the uh, Ryan Foxes. I mean, Ryan Fox was a guy I also looked at six K range. He's in terrible form, but I think he played well at the PGA. So, but like those are these these you know these pretty good Euro guys who don't play a ton in the states. I think they tend to go under owned. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. I think that's a good way to uh, put some lineups together, particularly like you said, the lower names, not the Tommy Fleetwoods, right? Not the Roms and the Roys, but these other names that we. Uh, I think we did a good job of getting through today. So, um, Skeeter, that's all I got. Unless you've got anything else. Yeah, I got one thing. Um, you know, we are part of the Fantastics brand here, and the, the the football draft software is out, and I know some of you may be yeah, playing it's football. It's out for the Mac, too, because a lot of times it's out later for the Mac, but it's in both. So I'm a Mac user, and a lot of, I'll get I'll get tweets from people this time of year, like, is the Mac software out yet? Like, yes, it is. Oh, okay, well, that's good. So, yeah, um, you know, it is coming up on draft season. You know, James and I will be infatuated with drafts here in about a month or so. In fact, we've... Already been in what two or three best balls together, but um, it could. I've got an email where it could actually be my pick in that best ball. So when we get off here, I'll make it. Oh, it probably is, yeah, because I think I picked right before the uh, right before we did the before the podcast. But um, no, give give the software a look. It's it's really good as far as the player notes. If you have some weird settings in your league, like maybe you're playing, you know, two quarterbacks or the tight ends get you know one point five points of reception. Magazines aren't going to help you too much. The software is great to adjust to your league settings, and then it's especially good in auctions where, you know, all right, I'm starting with a, you know, I have a league where I have a $300 budget and some weird settings. So then once, you know, um, Christian McCaffrey goes for 55 what's the inflated price on everybody else? So it's really good for that. So give that a look. And then on my fantasy fix, we are coming up with our football solution, our football product here soon, so keep an eye on that. Uh, I think James and I have been talking a little bit about what the podcast is going to look like come the uh, come football season. I think it will be a little combination of fall swing events and some early NFL takes, you know, for each week. So 
we will take both of them. Um, if you want, tweet at us. I'm at Skeeter Robinson. He's at, at, at JamesAdams94. What would you rather want? You know, if you know, we're gonna do both. So, would you rather see one podcast of, you know, it's golf and football combined, and timestamps will help you, or would you rather see two separate podcasts, one with the golf, one with the football? I'm kind of debating that in my head. I want to see what you guys think. So, let us know. Um, just to add to what you said about software, because uh, I didn't forget. I was gonna throw that uh, out there before we got done here. Um, you talked about auctions. If you're in keeper auction leagues too, you can put all these values in, and so it'll change. You know. As Skeeter was saying, it changes the values of the other players. And uh, then when you're going through the auction, you can see inflation, deflation. It's it's super good to do before an auction keeper leagues because then you get an idea of how much inflation is going to affect different players. Maybe it lets you say, okay, I'm going to try and bring up this wide receiver too early in the auction before prices are established for everybody. You know, if you're in a good league, people are going to know this anyway, that inflation's going on, but it helps. And so the software, it doesn't just project like rankings. It projects um, statistical output for each game. So if you change the setup between six points or four points for passing uh, for the quarterback, it just changes how many points it's awarding for the, statistics that are put in there and these things are changed and upgraded throughout the season too so once you get it all you got to do is hit upgrade and it upgrades it for you um but i mean it's super useful um not to pull the barry horowitz here and pat myself on the back but <laughs> I, I was using it when i won the 2015 kentucky fantasy football state championship i'm touching the trophy right now the money's all gone i can promise you that um some of it may be in my DraftKings account right now right. i don't know yeah. <laughs> but at any rate no, and the thing, too, is you can input your own settings. So if you were more optimistic or pessimistic on a guy, you can do that. And it just gives you a nice guidance. And as, as James said, it gets updated every single day with notes and stuff like that. Whereas these magazines that you buy are printed, you know, end of June, early July. And, you know, everything changes. Um, you know, we're starting on the insider football side. I'll be writing articles starting Saturday. So, I mean, it's, it's that time of year and news changes. So some of that gets reflected in the software as well. So give it a look. Yeah, there's a free trial. Run it yeah, if you like it. Yeah, You know, if you like it, then buy, buy, you know, buy the full thing. Uh, help us out. You know, it might even help keep James and I podcast free. So there you go. All right. On that note, I appreciate everybody hanging with us the whole time. Enjoy the Open. I think we made it the whole podcast by without saying anything other than the Open. Um, I gave Dan a stern talking to about calling it the other thing this weekend. Oh, good. Oh. Um, so how did hopefully he this coming weekend we won't have to deal with this. How did he respond to that? He was, he could care less. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't care. He doesn't watch golf. He doesn't play. I guarantee you if I said Xander Chopley, he'd be like, I don't know who that is. I'm sure he doesn't know who Tommy Fleetwood is. He probably only knows who Francesco Molinari is because last year when you would come on the show and talk golf, we would, uh, we would, like me and you would talk about guys we like, and he was always one of them. So he's probably heard that name before, but yeah, he didn't. Hmm. He was like, whatever, shut up. Hmm, that would actually be an interesting con uh, act, uh, game to do with Dan. Um, PGA Tour golfer or actor, or you know, <laughs> or world leader. You know, we could, we could do that. Yeah, uh, we could, we could, we could. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to throw some names at him uh, this weekend and see if he recognizes them. See how, see how far. Uh, up the price range, I can go and see who recognizes. But um, at that, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, definitely appreciate it. I'm certainly looking forward to this weekend. Uh, great golf. Uh, 
get up, watch it early, watch it with some coffee. You'll have the rest of your day to do some other things. Uh, hopefully on Sunday early afternoon, we're sweating out a good one. And uh, that scenario I was talking about will play out at the beginning of the show. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm James Adams. He's Skeeter Robinson. This has been the My Fantasy Fix Golf DFS Podcast.